over to Romans chapter 8. I'm not going to be real long, but I want to give you something that hopefully will be a help to you this morning. Romans chapter 8. You know, as, uh, as police officers in particular, but even just in life, we go through a lot. Hardships, heartaches, disappointments, discouragement. Those are things that we face on a daily basis, it seems, many times. We see glimpses of good in humanity, but it's a pretty heartless and loveless world sometimes. And, you know, perhaps you've seen a bumper sticker or a t-shirt with a big yellow smiley face on it and it says, God loves you underneath. And it's kind of become, you know, a catchphrase in a lot of places. And, and, and though there are a lot of people that are willing to, to say that or even to say that they believe that, there's, a few, there, there's few people who really understand what it means when you say God loves you. Um, when the renowned theologian Karl Barth, near the end of his life, he was asked to sum up his thoughts about Christianity. And of course, you know, no doubt the person that questioned him was expecting to kind of hear some lengthy quote about a lot of different Bible phrases or, or uh, you know, explanations from this learned professor. And instead, Karl Barth answered by reciting the song that a lot of people learn if they have been at a VBS or in Sunday school for any length of time. He said this, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. I want you to hear me this morning, no matter where you are in life, no matter what you've done in your life, no matter how worthless you think you are, no matter how good you think you are, God loves you. God loves you. And I'm not just saying that as a cliche this morning. We find that very thought woven all the way throughout the Bible. And it's that love, the love of the Father that was able to send His Son to die on the cross for us that I want to talk to you about for a few minutes this morning. I want you to understand just how much God loves you. Let's pray, and then we'll look at a couple things this morning. Father, we love you. Again, we thank you so much for your goodness to us. I thank you for your love for us. And God, I do pray that you'd help us to understand that as we look at a couple Bible passages this morning. And God, I do pray that if there is somebody in here that has never accepted God's love for them in the form of Jesus Christ dying on the cross, that they would do that this morning. And that this would be a day that they come to know Jesus Christ as their own personal Savior and have the assurance that they can go to heaven when they die as well. Thank you for all that you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen. First thing I want you to understand is this, and this is a very, very simple message this morning, but the first point is this. God loved us first. God loved us first. When we were still the enemies of God, God loved us and sent his son to die for us. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, but God commendeth his love. God gave his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While I was still, Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for that sin, and I was still sinning when he did that for me. Now, he died on the cross 2,000 years ago, uh, probably more than that now, or, or closing in on more than 2,000 years ago. But you know, when, I was, when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. He knew that, that, that somebody by the name of Steve Boots was going to come along. He was going to be a sinner. He was going to need somebody to save him. And the death of Jesus Christ on the cross was sufficient for anybody past present or future, to be able to be saved. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 19 says, We love him because he first loved us. He loved us first. He loved me way before I even knew that, that there was a God. He loved me even before I acknowledged his existence. When, when my children were born, I didn't say, uh, I'll wait to see how they turn out to decide if I'm going to love them or not. Right? Uh, I, I decided right then, and in fact, even before they were born, I loved my children. Of course, it, you, know, you know, they say that's a face only a mother could love. 
Uh, you've heard that before, right? I, and, and I honestly, I, I mean, a lot of people have babies and they say, oh, he's so cute. He's always oh, so beautiful. And I'm looking, I'm saying, that's not cute and that's not beautiful. Uh, it takes a while for them to get to the cute and beautiful stage, at least in my mind. And, you know, uh, maybe a lot of other people's as well. But I didn't look at that and say, what is that? I can't love that thing, right? Oh, the moment they were born, I picked him up and I held him and I said, he's, he's mine. She's mine. I love them. And I always will. God didn't wait for us to clean up our act. He didn't wait for us to, to meet his expectations. He didn't wait for us to make him proud. He simply loved us. 1 John chapter 4 and verse number 10 says this, Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. That word propitiation means the atonement. It means the replacement. Somebody had to die on the cross. Somebody had to pay for those sins, and God loved me so much even when I didn't love him back. But he was willing to die on the cross for me. He was willing to send Jesus Christ to die on the cross. There was a little boy that was visiting his grandparents on their farm. He was, uh, he, his parents had given him a slingshot for his birthday, and he was looking forward to this opportunity. He was going to have all the places in the world that he wanted to to go out and use that slingshot. And so he started trying to, he, got a, he set up a little milk jug, and he started shooting those rocks out of that slingshot. He just couldn't hit, he couldn't hit it to save his life, and he was getting so frustrated and and finally, it was time, you know, he was getting ready to, to, to be dinner time, and so uh, he, he got a little discouraged. He's heading back for dinner, and he was walking back, and he saw his grandmother's duck walking by, and just kind of out of impulse, he picked up that slingshot and, and flung it toward the duck. And once you know it, it hit that duck right in the head and killed it. And he looked around, he didn't see anybody was watching him, so he picked that duck up, and he went and he hit it in the woodpile. And right as he was walking out from behind the woodpile, he saw his sister standing over there, and she, he knew that she had seen the entire thing. She didn't say a word. They got back in the house, and after lunch the next day, Grandma said, Sally, let's wash the dishes. And Sally said, oh, Grandma, you know, Johnny told me that he wanted to help in the kitchen. And she whispered over to him, remember the duck. Well, Johnny jumped right in there. Susie went out, Sally went out to play. Johnny sat there and did the dishes. Well, later on, uh, uh, they, the, 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 the brother and sister asked if they could go fishing. And, and Grandma said, well, uh, that's fine, uh, but I need you to help me make supper first, Sally. And Sally said, oh, well, you know, it's interesting because Johnny and I were just talking about this afternoon, and he said he wanted to help you make dinner this afternoon. Remember the duck. And Johnny jumped in, and he started helping Grandma. Sally went out to fish, and Johnny got stuck working in the kitchen with Grandma. Well, after several days of Johnny doing both his chores and Sally's chores, he finally couldn't stand it any longer. And so he went to his grandmother and he confessed that he had killed the duck. And his grandma said, you know, she gave him a hug and she said, sweetheart, I already knew that. You see, I was standing at the window when I saw you shoot that duck and kill it. And I saw you take that duck and walk over and drop it in the woodpile. And I saw your sister standing there watching you. I knew it all along, but because I love you, I already forgave you. I was just wondering how long you were going to let your sister make a slave out of you. Whatever's in your past, whatever you've done, the devil keeps throwing it up in your face. It could be lying or cheating or, or fear or bad habits or hatred or anger or bitterness. It could be any number of things. And that whatever it is, you need to know that God was standing at the window and he saw all of it. He's not taken by surprise. You're not hiding anything from him. He sees the, the beginning from the end. He knows everything there is about us, including our thoughts. God knows everything about us. There's nothing, the Bible says, that's hid from him. 
But the devil keeps throwing those things in our face and saying, remember when you did this? Remember when you did that? Remember this incident? Remember that incident? God doesn't love you. God can't use you. God can't, God can't forgive you for those things. And God's standing there saying, how long are you going to let the devil make a slave out of you? I've already forgiven you. When are you going to come and ask forgiveness? When are you going to come and make those things right with me? How long will the devil make a slave out of you? See, there's no one that God does not love. We have a lot of examples of that in the Bible. God loved Paul. He was a persecutor of the church. Paul wrote this in Galatians chapter 2 and verse number 20. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, get this, who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul met Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus as he was heading down there to kill Christians. And God loved Paul so much that he gave him an opportunity. Paul accepted that gift of eternal life, and God forgave him. Think about this. Matthew chapter 26, you know the story of Judas, the one who betrayed Jesus Christ. Jesus had 12 disciples, and one of those 12 was a traitor. And the Bible says as they were sitting there uh, at the Last Supper, and it's, of course it's... it's uh, been immortalized by Leonardo da Vinci's painting of the Last Supper, and they're sitting there, and one of those sitting at that table with Jesus is Judas. And they're having a conversation, the Bible records that in Matthew chapter 26, in verse number 24, the Son of Man goeth as it is written of him, but woe unto that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It had been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? He said unto him, Thou hast said. And you go along a little farther in that passage and you find out that Jesus went into the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. And it was there in the Garden of Gethsemane as he was finishing up that agonizing hours, the agonizing hours of prayer that Judas walked up and kissed him on the cheek. That was his signal to all of those soldiers who were waiting that this is the man that you were looking for. And in verse number 50 of James, uh, Matthew chapter 26, the Bible says, And Jesus said unto him, Friend, wherefore art thou come? Then came they and laid hands on Jesus and took him. Nowhere after that do we see that Jesus tried to uh, extort Judas. Nowhere after that do we see Jesus condemn Judas. Nowhere after that do we see anything other than the fact that Jesus loved Judas the same way that he loves you and me. The one who betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver. And you know, 30 pieces of silver was such a small amount. Judas took that money. He felt so bad about what he had done that he tried to give it back and they wouldn't take it. And so he threw it at their feet and he went out and hung himself. But Jesus loved Judas. Jesus loved the thief on the cross that was hanging next to him. We hear the story of the crucifixion often, especially around the time of Easter because Jesus was only in the grave for a short time before he rose up from the grave. But he wasn't the only one that was crucified that day. There was two other criminals who were crucified on either side of him. And in Luke chapter 23 and verse number 42, the Bible says, talking about this thief, he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, verily I say unto thee, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. You know, I think it's interesting. That thief didn't have time to get down off the cross, go make amends with all the people that he had done wrong. He didn't have time to go get baptized. He didn't have time to go uh, make a confession or all of these other things. He turned to the only one who could do something about the condition that he was in. And he said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Amen. And in the middle of that agonizing hour on the cross, Jesus looked at that man and he said, I forgive you. I will remember you when I come into my kingdom. Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. And perhaps the most well-known verse in all the Bible 
tells us that not only did God love Paul and Judas and this thief on the cross, he loved the entire world. John chapter 3 and verse number 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You know what that whosoever means? That means me. That means you. That means the worst criminal sitting in jail right now. That means the murderers that sitting on death row. That means the, the, the petty thief. That means the, 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 the uh, pathological liar. That means you. That means me. That means all of us, the entire world. Whosoever includes me and you. And I'm so thankful that it does. God loved us first, but I want you to see all this as well, that God loved us foremost. He showed his love for us. Romans chapter 8 and verse 32 says, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? He didn't even spare his own son in the attempt at making amends for our sin. How much does God love us? Nothing is more important to God than his creation. He never says, oh, I don't have time for those people today. God's never said that. He never will say that. He spoke his love for us with the word, Jesus Christ. John chapter 1 and verse 14, and the word was made flesh. That's a capital W. That's Jesus Christ. The word, Jesus Christ, came down, was born as a baby. You know the story of him being born in Bethlehem and, and living a sinless, perfect life and then being crucified on the cross. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. What it all comes down to is, is that God didn't just say that he loved us. That's easy. And a lot of people say, oh, I love this person. I love you. They don't really mean it. God showed us his love. He proved to us that he loved us by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us. The songwriter said, I should have been crucified. I should have suffered and died. I should have hung on a cross in disgrace. But Jesus, God's son, took my place. God wrote his love for us in blood. And I know it sounds gory, but really it is. He had to die on the cross, and his blood had to be shed. We find this written in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 18. For as much as you know that you're not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversations received by traditions from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, this goes all the way back to the Old Testament times. They had to make sacrifices. They had to pay. They had to give money. They had to do those kind of things to make atonement for their sin. It had to be a spotless lamb. It had to be a perfect lamb. And all the way throughout the Old Testament, we see that pointing as a picture to Jesus Christ who was going to come and be that spotless lamb that covered that sacrifice once and for all. There's a reason we don't have to make sacrifices today. There's a reason we don't have to kill uh, bulls and goats and, and sheep and turtle doves and all of those things. Jesus Christ was that once and for all sacrifice, but that blood had to be shed in order for that to happen. Without the precious blood of Jesus Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, there would be no salvation. God loved us first. God loved us foremost. And lastly, I want you to see this. God loves us forever. Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse number 33 the Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. God is trying to draw us to himself. Everything that he allows to happen in our lives, he does because he's trying to draw us to himself. You wonder why. why could, how, does a, how does a God who says that he loves everybody allow this 
evil to happen in the world? How does a God who, love every, who loves everybody allow uh, this to happen? How does a God who, love every, who, who loves everybody uh, let this go on for as long as it does? Why is, if he loves me, then why does these bad things keep happening to me? If he loves me, why, doesn't, why isn't my life easy? Why doesn't he show me that he loves me? He does, but everything that God does in your life, he does to draw you to himself. And the closer you get to God, the more you see that love, the more you understand that love. It's the same way as a parent. If a parent just let their kid go and do anything they wanted to, that's not love. That's the opposite of love. They know they're going to get hurt. They know they're going to uh, cause pain. They know there's going to be a lot of things that are, that's going to make their life really difficult if they go off and do their own thing. But you know what? I love him so much, I'm not going to discipline him. I love him so much, I can't correct him. I love him so much, I can't tell him no. That's not love. Love is doing what's best for somebody else. And that's what God does for us. Sometimes it is difficult. Sometimes it is hard. But God, does, God allows it because he's trying to draw us to himself and help us to understand that he really does love us. His love is complete. No one can love us more than God loves us. His love is constant. No matter what we do to him, he never stops loving us. His love is unconditional. There's nothing you can do to make God stop loving you. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more. He already loves you more than you even can imagine. We can't earn it. We can't earn God's love. We can't escape God's love. We can't erase God's love. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It doesn't have anything to do with me and how good I am or how much good I do. It has everything to do with the perfect lamb, the perfect sacrifice, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. If I get into heaven and people, I'm walking through heaven and people say, how did you get here? And I start to list all of the good things that I've done, then it doesn't have anything. Why did Jesus Christ have to die on the cross at that point? It's not about him, it's about me. But I know that one day when I stand before God and he allows me to come into heaven and I'm walking through heaven and they say, why are you here? I'm not going to say uh, it's because of everything good that I've done. I'm going to say, listen, I, I know I don't deserve to be here, but Jesus Christ died in my place. It's not because of me that I'm here. It's because of him that I'm here. Amen. You know, you can know for sure that you can go to heaven when you die. There's a lot of people that have that, that they're not assured of that. They don't know. And if you were to ask them, are you going to go to heaven when you die? They say, well, I hope so, or I might, or maybe. Or some people say, nah, there ain't no chance I'm getting in there, right? It just depends on, on, on how you know you've lived your life. But those things don't have anything to do with it. It has everything to do with what Jesus Christ did for us. That's why God made salvation so easy for us. Now, let me ask you this. Somebody who murders another person, what do you call them? Even if they've only killed one person? Murderer. Somebody that's stolen something. What do you call that person? A thief, right? Even if they've only stolen one time? Thief, right? What do you call some person, uh, some person that tells even one lie? What do you call them? Call them a liar, right? And even only one sin makes us what? Makes us a sinner. And the Bible says that sinners cannot get into heaven. For all have sinned, the Bible says, and come short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. Even one sin. James chapter 2 and verse 10 says, Whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he's guilty of all. You've broken the law if you've offended even one part of that law, right? 
And the same thing is true, and, and, and we have a lot of officers in here that understand that very fact. You break the law, it doesn't matter how small you broke the law or what part of the law you broke, you broke the law. You're a lawbreaker, right? You sin once, you are, you're a sinner. And all of us are sinners before God. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 6, 23. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9 says this, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Right? God loves us so much that he is standing there saying, please, please, all you have to do is ask for forgiveness. All you have to do is recognize the fact that you are a sinner and that sin is what's condemning us to have to spend an eternity in hell. But, but as a loving God, I don't want to see you go there. I've made a way out. I've made it possible for you to not have to spend that eternity in hell. Just confess your sins. Forsake those sins. Turn to me. Accept my gift on the cross. I gave my son for you. I don't know very many people that can say that. I don't know of anybody that can say that.